What's up? This is Tech Lively, the podcast brought to you by The Technique, our on-campus newspaper. I'm Sarah Miller, the editor of Tech Lively. The Technique covers everything and anything about life at Georgia Tech, and so does Tech Lively. So if you want to voice your opinion, don't hesitate to reach out to us. New issues of The Technique come out every Friday, and be sure to tune in to Tech Lively's new releases. to the third episode of Tech Lively. Uh, we recorded this episode actually a couple weeks ago. Today is October... Is it the 4th or the 3rd? Today is the 4th. It's the 4th. So we recorded this about a couple weeks ago for the tech sports landscape, primarily football, but that changed a lot. So we're just going to do this all over again because there's new things to talk about and we're going to do this better this time because we're young and we're figuring it out. Uh, there's a new person here as well. His name's Rish. Rish, who are you? What do you do here? Why are you at Georgia Tech? All right. Well, um, thanks for introducing me, Jack. Um, I'm Rish Desai. I'm a second-year computer science major here, and I'm also the um, sports staff writer here for The Technique. And as Jack said, it's been an exciting up-and-down set of a couple weeks for um, the football team here. But, but we've got lots of anticipation for where the season can go from here. Yeah. So we're five games in. We're two and three. We lost to Northern Illinois. That was annoying. And then we beat Kennesaw State. That was not annoying. Um, Kennesaw is a very young team, so that was kind of like just beating up a minor league team almost. They're, are they FCS? I forgot. I believe they are an FCS team, but they're one of the top teams in the FCS. They are. They are. They are. Being in the South helps in that regard. Um, although North Dakota State kind of rules that territory, so who am I? what am I to say? Um, and then we played Clemson in... People, so people ask me about this Clemson game. Like, was that us being for real? Is that Clemson being fake? We now know Clemson's fake entirely after uh, their quarterback, Uyagale, is not exactly a... Well, after you go Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence back-to-back quarterbacks, it, there's nowhere to go but down. But that was a impressive turnaround, especially coming off of the blowout loss that we had last year to Clemson. And it, yes. And many uh, kept bringing that up, and that was a big marker for a comparison. And that kind of leads to one of the big ideas of um, where this team is now. And that would be, if we were to describe this team in one word, I think that word would be growth. Yep. And we, yes. Especially the uh, tremendous amount of growth that we've shown from last year to this year. As I was saying, a prime example of growth would be that Clemson game. Yeah, no, for sure. So I unfortunately was not able to watch most of that game. But the four-hour delay didn't really help. And that's why I've, I've been throwing an asterisk on that game because anytime you have a four-hour delay, it doesn't seem like the way to be able to assess how good you are. That's a good way of assessing how good you are when you have a four-hour delay. <laughs> and that's just not normal. I think, uh, though, like another part of that is also kind of like the next-man-up mentality that um, we yeah, got to see yeah. from Jordan Yates. And especially during his time after Jeff Sims went down, the way he was able to respond, especially emerge as a truly offensive leader for this team. Yeah, no, that was good. I was glad to see Jordan do well. I mean, so Sims got hurt in the... Was that, the first, that was the first game we got hurt yes. in. Yeah, that was the first game we got hurt in. And then he battled back. And so after after Clemson, so we only lost by one score to Clemson, which was, we'll take that any day. Even, even in a year where we're both average or they're not about to win the national championship, that's just, that's always a good sign for a road game. And then we played in the bins, which that was fun. I got to sit. I got to sit in the same section I always sit in for soccer games. Um, and then we we just steamrolled North Carolina, like no one else we've played. Well, we steamrolled them like we played Kennesaw State, except you shouldn't steamroll North Carolina in the same way you steamroll an FCS team. And I think what made that um, even more of an impressive showing was 
North Carolina was coming off of a game where they put up nearly 700 yards of offense against Virginia. And coming into this uh, the season, Sam Howell was considered to be one of the Heisman front runners, yeah, as yeah. well as um, one of the top prospects in the upcoming um, NFL draft. And the way that, and it, it wasn't just the fact that uh, we played good defense against him, but the way we were able to put up eight sacks and force three fumbles mm-hmm. out of such a high caliber player that just spoke volumes about what this team has become now, especially with like the defensive line. And just getting to see like how impressive of a performance we were able to show against one of the top teams. Yeah, uh, and during the, during the game, my friend who I was sitting with, he showed me a tweet that said we had ten tackles for a loss in the first half of that game. The last time we did that in an entire game was the Pitt game in 2013. That was for a whole game though, and we did that in a half of a game against North Carolina. Which, if it, in the moment I was thinking, oh shoot, this uh, this Jeff Collins experiment's working possibly. <laughs> Right now, because we were supposed to be defensive-minded, and by golly, we were defensive-minded during that entire game. Yeah, it was a solid performance, especially from the defense, with the amount of turnovers they were forcing and the constant pressure they were getting. It just And um, that was um, the first win that Collins had over a ranked opponent. And that kind of showed them like, how much this um, program has grown in the three years that Collins has taken over for them. And then we played, uh, we played Pitt as just mentioned from the 2013 time. And so I did not know this. They had scored 42 points in all their games going into our game. I was unfortunately oblivious to that. Um, and that would have changed my thought about this. I Okay, I don't know if you had the same idea. For me, this was the actual barometer game of how good we were because none of these games showed me that we were all the way good because Clemson was too much of an aberration for me to say, I don't know if we're good, I don't know if they're bad. And then they kept being bad, so I don't know if we're actually good. And there was a delay and 65,000 people left the game. And then North Carolina's like, okay, well, it's the Benz. People were excited for that. Our student section actually stayed the whole game for once. Um, and so this was going to be the game for me. I was like, okay, are we legit? What, what were you? What, just what? Were, what was going through your head before that game and in the, in the week leading up? So before, um, between like the week between the North Carolina game and the Pitt game, I was really thinking that this is a uh, great stretch of games that we have a, a truly great opportunity to emerge as one of the top teams in the division, and. Um, I felt that, especially coming off of um, the North Carolina game, there was a lot of momentum going in as a team um, against Pitt. And I think that, especially after Sims' performance in that um, and the way he was able to make big plays, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of excitement that was headed into this game. Yep. But one of the things that I definitely saw from this team, um, especially from um, Sims, and that was one of the bigger things that we were seeing in comparison with um, Yates was his decision-making. And at times, um, that's what's most exciting about Sims is his big playability. But Yates is always going to be there to make the safe play. Yep. And I think that's one of the biggest um, comparisons between the two of them. Yeah, and in college, you can kind of... There's there's more room to experiment here, usually, just because of the talent level versus the NFL. Um, and I guess we shall say the beginning of the pit game our chances did not go our way yeah especially um getting ourselves in that early 14 um hole after um both of the interceptions that i don't fully blame sims for those because both of those were tipped somewhat and kind of out of his control i would say the second one he could have made a better read on the throw he made there but still those are the kind of interceptions you're just like throw your hands up and say well nothing i can do about that yeah and i think those were both kind of like um a little bit of like an overall theme of the entire game, and how um, dominant um, Pitt's defensive line was against our offensive line and how we um, we were struggling to get the running game going in yeah, that game. Yeah, for sure. 
But um, even though Sims um, was having a little bit less time than he would have um, anticipated for, he was still able to make a lot of good throws throughout the uh, game, and he was able to be responsible for quite a few passing yards in that game. Yeah, no, he still had he still had his customary runs that he prone that he's prone to have. I don't think he had as many as he wanted. Um, I'm not objectively uh, objectively sure our play calling was great then. Um, I just do want to note that uh, Pitt had the tallest tight end I've seen all season. This guy Lucas Kroll. Did you, did you see him out there like when he was playing? So me and my friends that we were sitting with, we would see him run. He drew two guys. Every, I think this is why Pitt really pulled ahead a lot in the passing game. He drew two guys every time. This dude was taller than our entire secondary, which was just leaking buckets the entire time. Yeah, and especially because their quarterback was in a rhythm the entire game with the tight end as well as he, um, two of his top receivers. And on any down, no matter the distance, he was always able to go to um, those three guys that he yeah, had. Yeah, he had so much time in the pocket. I mean, yeah. and I mean, he was doing a great job of always extending the play and always keeping his head down the field yeah. and just looking for that um, player down the field even and wouldn't just scramble for those extra yards. That is how you quarterback well and efficiently, and that is what Pitt did. So they, what, they were up 14 nothing within like three minutes, and then they put up 42 in the first half, which is almost what Clemson did last year to yeah. us too like it was like we were on track to lose 84 to 21 at one point thankfully we didn't because they kind of eased off in the second half because they could um he hit it back on this on Sims versus Yates if you had to pick right now between we got to win games if we're going to be competitive part of unfortunately this is not the NFL where you can tank and just get your pick you're just the only goal is to win in college with right now we play Duke this week would you let Sims go just see what he can do, recuperate some time, or would you give some more snaps to Jordan to at least develop some more so we've got closer sense of two legitimate options, or at least more talent in both options going into week seven, that'll be. I think that's a really great question that you're bringing up, and I think at the moment, if I, um, I were to go with one of the two, I would go with Sims because of his ability to um, finish off drives in the red zone as well as his big play ability to always um, continue to extend the drive and make those big exciting plays and kind of like create and especially his um do all his running ability as well as passing ability yeah. are always tough to game plan for for opposing coaches because if you game plan for um his running game he's also shown his tremendous ability to make throws um and especially with his new um receiver Kyrie McGowan from Northwestern um who's really broken out this season as well as um senior um leader um Malachi Carter yep yep He's been cap- one of the captains the last couple of games as well. I don't, I, I don't fully know where I land on that. I, I, seeing Sims be able to bust a seam for a long, a long, long way is good, and he's gotten some massive holes, and Yates will be able to exploit those holes too. But it just seems like Sims can be the fastest guy in the field at, at any given moment. Which, I mean, as we saw in North Carolina, he had two thirty-plus yard runs that apps that without those, I mean, the game's far more closer than it otherwise would have been. Yeah, and especially because um, one of the biggest things about Sims is going back to that word I brought up, um, growth. And he's definitely, um, last season, one of the things that was really uh, becoming a thing in his first year was his um, turnovers. And this season, although he did have those two um, early interceptions, those wouldn't fully at- be attributed towards him. But he's definitely improved um, from a turnover standpoint. And he's not giving the ball up as much as he did last year so. That's a sign that he's showing tremendous growth throughout the year. Yeah, no, it's last year was <laughs> questionable most of the time. He's just he could throw the ball a mile, but you didn't want. There were some miles you did not want him to throw it. 
right, let's look ahead. So we got Duke this week, then Virginia, then Virginia Tech. So we play both Virginias in back-to-back weeks. Oh, no, we have a, so we have a break after Duke, which is going to be nice because then we have the Virginias, Miami, who we thought was going to be okay, but uh, that's that's honestly winnable at this point, although that will be in Miami. Uh, then we host Boston College, which they are – I ranked them a couple weeks ago, so that might be a legit game that if we win, that's that's not nothing. Yeah, because uh, they've shown this season that they're a solid team, and especially with how close they played. Um, albeit uh, many teams are playing Clemson close this year, but – the way that um, Boston College was able to play um, Clemson very close um, this past week. Yeah, no, that was good. They, Hey, I mean, just for the parody of football, Boston College winning probably helps just everyone out. Clemson's got their fancy stuff. We, The rest of us want fancy things. Yeah, just let us spe- win. Especially with, um, and that's one of the big things that uh, you brought up about college football lately with, is parody. And now it seems like um, it, it, you can predetermine oftentimes who's going to be conference champions, um, for not only the current year, but um, years ahead. And mm-hmm. um, now Clemson's sitting at, at um, a very long streak of winning ACC championships going back to the early days of Deshaun Watson. They will not be doing that this year. Yes. I'm just going to put. That, I'm just going to say that that's not happening. After Boston College, though, uh, we, it, yeah, you may as well just bet the over for both Notre Dame and Georgia because there's just no way in heck. I think um, one of the big things about looking ahead into the schedule is seeing if, if this team has the ability to um, make that six win mark f- to be bowl eligible. That's true. That's true. I so we're looking at we're looking at my computer. We're just let's just let's just map this out. So we got one we got one win there, another win there. We need four more. Do we think we have one with Duke? I think we have a good win against Duke. All right, so that's three. Do we think we have one at Virginia? Virginia has been one of the more inconsistent teams, but I think we should be able to. Um, Go uh, go to Virginia and get the win. Okay, so I'm not fully there, so we'll say half a win. So we're at well, that's that's three and a half wins home against Virginia Tech. I think that in a normal in a neutral or away setting, that could be a toss up, and Virginia Tech might take that one. But I think with that being a Halloween game at Bobby Dodd, oh, I boy. think t- um we'll be the ones to take that game. And if we lose, no one will be at the student section after the second quarter. So we better win. Uh, at Miami in November, this hey the upside of this it may be like seventy five degrees during this game, so uh, I'm not okay. Well, we didn't pencil in Virginia Tech. Sorry. So actually, no, I could see us definitely. That seems like one of those games we just kind of win. That seems like a one of those. Hey, we'll give you a night game to just Georgia Tech. We know you guys are suffering here. We'll give you this one night game, and so that'll be the eight o'clock start. And just the and just like the um, and especially like in those prime time seven thirty. Block games, the energy is always electric. So much better. Like, so, and they have enough to carry the team to another win. All right, we'll say we're at four and a half wins. Is that four and a half? Or, yeah, it's four and a half wins. Okay, so we need a win and a half out of Miami, Boston College, Notre Dame, or Georgia. <laughs> Ooh. I, that, I don't like that. Uh, yeah, I, don't I don't like, like our odds in that one. No. And especially those two um, games to end the season. That's an absolutely brutal schedule. That. This is my last year on campus, and while I am thrilled to be able, to, I'm going to go to both of these games. So I'm thrilled to be able to go to South Bend to watch us play. That still is just like, well, I had to watch. I'm, it's gonna. I just know it's gonna be. I'm gonna watch it, just kind of to say I've been there versus to say I've seen something crazy happen. But you never know. I, I mean, that's what makes college football so special. Is on any given day, you can ex- you can always ex- expect that upset to happen. And while, albeit, these two games are very um, low likelihoods of an upset happening, happening, I think that's one of the uh, what makes college football so special. Yeah. And, hey, we have a kicker this year in Brent Semiglia who can actually, like, do things. So you never know. We may pull out another 
56 yarder or whatever that was a number of years ago in Athens, except we host the game this year, which, I mean, we host it. It's still going to be like 45% Georgia fans just because they all live here anyways. So, but yeah, you never know. That's kind of, that's, Hey, that's why we watch. That's why we play the games. That's why we watch the games. I'm going to shift to volleyball. So we started out nine and one. We're doing really, really good. We got the killer bees. We got Brambila. We got Bergman, who are just massive human beings. That as well will... as Bianca Bertolino. Oh, Bertolino. Yes, thank you. Who all can? Let me just say, if you were to face one of their hits of a volleyball, you just may you may as well dig your grave right there. You're not going to survive. Just get your way. Just, out of just that. get out. Because those way. are some of the most powerful hitters you've got in the entire nation. They were killing it. Um, so we played Notre Dame and. Louisville this week. Notre Dame wasn't ranked, um, and they got us. To, they took us to five sets, and we we looked fan. I mean, we looked fantastic the first two sets. I was I watched the replay of that, and we Bergman would set up on. She was she generally would hit on the outside left for her spikes, and she was just hitting her inside out shots anytime she wanted the first two sets. And I'll be. Uh, and one of the things though about um, both the teams that we played this past week, um, Notre Dame and Louisville. Um, they were both two of the t- um, teams that finished ahead of us in the ACC standings oh, true. a year ago, and we were a um, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, three uh, fourth finish, a fourth place finish in the ACC. I will double check that. But yeah, everyone, it's, it's always such a great, um, such a difficult. Uh, they're truly become one of the offensive juggernauts in the nation, trying to stop both um, Brambilla and Bergman, um, as well as the new addition um, Bianca Bertolino. Um, but like they've been a huge part about um, how the team's been able to get off to one of the hottest starts in school history. And um, the last time they got off to such a hot start was when they were able to make it all the way to the Elite Eight. And they were coming off of a second pl- uh, runner-up ACC championship. So you were close. We were third. Louisville was first, but NC-, NC State was the team ahead of us last year. Notre Dame finished at six. They were eight and seven. We were 12 and six. And we're definitely still on track to beat um, our record from last year. We're right now we're nine and three, and we head to Virginia this week. Yep, we head to Virginia this weekend. We play Virginia and Pitt. From mm. my evolving knowledge of volleyball, that no, neither of them are ranked, and we are. So it seems like I, I just think we should win this, even though it's on the road. And speaking of ranking, so one of the um we've despite our tremendous start to the season. We've been remaining at number 18 for the past, I believe, four weeks. Mm-hmm. But um, we were, we've coming um, coming into the preseason, we were ranked at number 24. So we've definitely been working our way up there. And with the amount, uh, the great momentum that this team has and the um, chemistry that they each play with, um, I think that this team has solid potential to continue to move up the rankings. And they've um, built off of some tremendous wins that they've had this season. You just got to win. Just got to win. Yeah, so we beat Penn State, who was number 12 at the time early in the season uh, in Orlando, and then we also beat UCLA on the road not long after, who was ranked number 18, so we took their spot after that. Um, and then looking ahead, um, we do looks like we do oh, we do not play. It's all conference play, and no one else is ranked. So, yeah, we're just going to have to win and then get our way in the tournament somehow, and that might cover it. And one, thing, one quick thing to note about um, this team is many of their um, top leaders are playing in their final and senior season. Yes. And um, that's always an added little um, bit of competition that they have, um, especially because they want to go out with such a, um, a year ago that they had a great a run into the tournament. And they're definitely all looking to build off of that as they um, are getting ready to exit their um, tenure. Yeah. So hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll see an uptick there in the wins. Um, 
I'll shift away from sports. So I've, when I've talked to I've talked to Rick Rick Clark before, and I and I talked to Lisa Medford before that. We just it's a different year on campus at Georgia Tech just because we're all back for one. Like people are in the buildings. You can get in the buildings legitimately. Um, you can use the CRC without being like I'm breathing really hard doing these deadlifts. Should I wear a mask? I don't know. Like that's all. That's all. Finally, well, it's not gone, gone, but it's it's far looser. You are your your second year. Yes. Um, and so this is your for this is your first year where it's actually like straight up how it was for me. My first three years of like you walk around and you could see 15 different people that you know. So I mean, just a just what are your first impressions of a normal campus life? as we've been for the last what two and a half months yeah so i truly um love every bit of this semester and all of the in-person um experience that i've gotten this semester especially getting to uh be a part of different clubs and organizations and getting to meet people um in person as well as um seeing people in different classes and getting to see like that truly interactive um experience that we have with one another because many of us we're all um we're all in like that same time of year where we're all um, in college, and we're kind of getting to like go through like similar experiences, and it's just a great time to get to bond with all of like your classmates and um, different peers. That you yeah, can. how was it for you studying online? Did you enjoy that? Was that was it just I just got to do it, so I'm just gonna do it? I mean, can... I feel like there were both pros and cons to that, um, and I feel like the professors um, have all done a tremendous job of accommodating to that, as well as adapting to the new style and creating it in such a format that everyone can still learn as well as um, get those full experiences of um, the different questions and making sure that everyone's always on the same page and has a proper understanding of all the different uh, material. So while it was less than ideal to be in that circumstance, the professors did a tremendous job of making it work. That's nice. Yeah, no, the, the professors here have definitely done a lot of adaptive work, possibly even more than some of us, because that was that was a new challenge for them. I definitely I drew a pretty easy stick. I was homeschooled the first eight years are from grades one through eight. And so getting up and going downstairs and just starting schoolwork, that was like still ingrained with me. So when we shifted online, I was like, oh, I did this a long time. So that was, I, I was one of the fortunate ones, but now it's good to hear that. It was something that wasn't terribly daunting for you at, at least. At least. Um, okay. Favorite tech tradition that you have encountered so far. And maybe and let's, we'll do this. We'll do one that you've see, encountered so far, but there's a lot you haven't encountered yet because we didn't do all of them last year. So one you've encountered and one that you're excited for that you haven't done yet. Um. So let's see. I think one of my favorite um, tech traditions was at the end of the year after all the hard work that was put in throughout the year and uh, finishing up those final exams and then just getting to touch the rec for the first time. Oh, yes. I think that was one of my favorite um, experiences, uh, tech traditions. And um, I'll, that'll always be a memorable um experience for me because um the first time that I touched the rec I was also able to have a great conversation with um President Cabrera. Oh, really? That's cool. And I was able to even get a picture with him, so hey. that was a really great experience. And um one that I'm looking forward to to get to know more. Um that's a tough one, but um I think one of the ones that I'd have to say is um we have the Mini 500 coming up. You can't do the freshman cake race, but you can at least watch it. There's the parade. There's a bunch of homecoming-related ones. There's some finals-related ones, possibly. Unfortunately, the Campanile is not doable this year. But um, I think going back um, to the um, the exam traditions, I think one of the ones I'm looking forward to is the midnight breakfast that they have. Oh, yeah, those are always fun. 
yeah, you can find a lot of those on campus. There's places that'll do pancakes. Tech does their own ones. The campus ministries will always have something out and whatnot that you can go to. And it's open. It's always open to invite. Um, so yeah, that's cool. That's cool. He got to hang out with Cabrera and have that convo. I've been waiting to. I tweeted at him once, um, and he did respond. But um, that's as far as we've gotten. So, Mr. President, I will gladly take you up on this podcast anytime you want. Um, well, sweet Rich, thanks, buddy. All right, thanks for having me. This is fun to do. Um, if you do not know what the technique is, it is the student newspaper at Georgia Tech. Uh, we release every Friday um, physically on newsstands. Also, our website is neek.net. That is N-I-Q-U-E.net, where you can read all of our stories there. You can find the link to this podcast there. Uh, please send us slivers. Make them funny. We like those. Um, our editor-in-chief is Jeanette Batra, and our managing editor is Taylor Gray. And future music will be by Ethan Powell. Uh, thanks again. And we will be on pretty soon with more episodes. Thanks, y'all.